0: This edition of The Wellness Prescription is brought to you by Healthy Planet, making the world healthier and greener one day at a time.
1: Welcome to The Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. I'm Dr. Claudia. Thank you for joining me today. Well, I can't believe it's Saturday again, but I'm so glad... Uh, because I get to share another great conversation with all of you. Today, we're going to learn all about resiliency. What is it? How do we get it? And why is it important? So joining me today is Dr. Robin. She is a multi-award winning psychology and education instructor, and she specializes in resiliency. So navigating stress and change. So by now, I bet everyone listening at home is thinking, boy, that's exactly what I need to hear right about now. And in fact, we all do. So thank you for joining me, Dr. Robin. Robin
0: it's my pleasure thanks for having me Dr. Claudia
1: you know what this is such an important topic so let's get started with telling all of us and reminding all of us what is resiliency
0: so in my work, we frame resiliency around this idea about how we move forward, even when we're navigating difficult seasons. So we think of resiliency as the behaviors, the attitudes, the mindset, the actions we put into place to meet the challenges or the adversity that we're experiencing.
1: And so you say that how we get to a place of being resilient may differ for everyone, but the practice of pushing onward through difficulty is a choice. How so?
0: Yeah, so one of the things we often think about, and again, when I started this research almost 20 years ago, there was a lot in the literature about the fact that we were either born resilient or we weren't resilient. And that was a discussion for a wee while. And what I've tried to bring to this conversation is really actually noticing that There's many different ways to think of our human resiliency, our ability to bounce back or push through, and ultimately it comes down to the behaviors that we choose to use. And so I appreciate that there could be a slew of maladaptive behaviors that we might develop based on our life circumstance, and I'm also aware that there could be some adaptive behaviors, behaviors that do help us make the next right decision, help us be able to move through those challenges that we're facing.
1: And so you teach people, groups, and companies how to be resilient. Um, Do you find that, you know, teaching people within a company is great because then those individuals who belong to a company can use those tools in their own everyday life?
0: Yes, absolutely. I think anytime we can have these conversations about these, like these skill sets, that really helps bring into these like life enhancement ways of dealing with challenges. And again, it impacts, it impacts us personally as well as professionally, but there's a common thread that ties that all together and helping people understand what is it that we need and what's that foundation that we're trying to work from. And very much whether it's a corporate model or if it's groups or family systems, we're really operating around this place of trying to establish psychological safety. We want people to deal, feel that deep sense of connection, that groundedness that allows them to make that next right decision or to take on risks or even in the corporate world learning how to deal with feedback. It's this idea that we want to develop those skill sets and create almost like this constellation of tools that we can use and knowing when to use them in different situations.
1: And so in a recent article, you discussed the concept of resiliency trajectory model. So what is that?
0: That's a great question. So one of the things that I was really mindful of working with people from all different backgrounds, all different walks of life is obviously everyone's story is so unique. Your lived experience is very particular to your happenstance. And we also started to notice that there were some patterns of not necessarily what people were doing or what it looked like, but we noticed that there were these themes that came up to the surface. And the first one we came upon was regardless of the event or what we call the adverse experience, there was this initial decline phase where people feel walloped, people feel unsteady. It's, all of a sudden, it's almost as if we get fast-forwarded into this very moment. It's like the world stops or all of a sudden it's like, okay, I thought I knew what was going on and now I have to kind of come to terms with Evers uh, ahead of me and it could be a change in relationship status, it could be a loss of a job, it could be a diagnosis, it's just that moment where everyone almost like it pauses. So we identified that as the first phase in the model and we call that decline and what we also saw is that as people were essentially reeling from whatever it was that they were trying to go through or process we noticed that they already started to adapt, Dr. Claudia. They already started to, like, figure out new ways. Maybe it was reaching out for support. We saw them that they already started to take on some of these new ideas or behaviors that we were hoping for. And then after that initial kind of phase, we noticed that people got to this place where they, what we called the the reclaim phase. And I think right now that's very much where we are. It's when you almost kind of take a step back and You start thinking about, okay, well, where do we get to go from here? What does the next, you know, what does our next decision look like? And there might be some recalibrating. There might be some planning or realignment with our values. So we start to reclaim who we are as we coexist with that life experience. And then that brings us into the final model stage, which we called rising, which is when people are far enough away from that adverse experience where they pause and realize, okay, this is now part of my story. It doesn't have to define me. It is not my whole story. It is an event, not a characteristic. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I'm going to now coexist with. And that, that place of knowing, that place of working with it is when they can then transition beyond This idea of having to be in that recovery of resiliency, and then they start getting back to what they're going to establish as their familiar. So that's what we talk about as the resiliency trajectory model, and we saw that in many different cases.
1: And you know what? I like that you kind of broke it down like that, because... As you're talking, I'm listening and I'm thinking of an experience that I may have had in my daily life or whatever. And I'm actually going through the phases myself. And then I'm looking back thinking, boy, that was a lot easier than I ever thought it was. And I can do that again. Like if something happens, I can follow those steps and kind of rise above the situation. So I love that. That's Mm -hmm. kind of brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. As we re-enter into the workplace and we reestablish a new way of life, we need to be sure. Sure, you know, with this whole you know pandemic situation, we need to be sure that we b- have both. We are both ready and willing. So, why do we need to have both?
0: Yeah, it's a great question, and I think what's really important when we think about transitioning into what's ahead is to really be thinking about our, our readiness and the degree of readiness. And I often talk in my work Dr. Claudia about there's this notion of reentry readiness, and we define that as this idea of being prepared and being willing and when there's some folks who are very kind of they're willing to get back into the world but they might not quite be prepared yet and we have some people who might not be you know might be prepared and they can do it but they're not quite willing yet for whatever their personal circumstances might be so when we think about moving forward and for many if we explore this idea of returning to premise and I particularly use that language returning to premises because we haven't really stopped working we're just now exploring working in different places and what's so important though is that people recognize that we have to make sure we have that kind of that foundation where we're prepared this is something that we're able to do and that will set us up for more hopefully a positive reentry experience
1: and that's the key—just making it a positive re-entry. And you know what? It's a really—it's a really good point because a lot of us have not stopped working. Our circumstances yeah. of where we're working have changed, but productivity hasn't really changed. And that's a, that's really important for people to realize that not everything has really changed. Um, so you also made a statement about a reasoned approach and how this is not a new normal. You prefer to call it like. Familiar. So returning to what was will only cause us to lose the learnings from the past 18 months. I think this is so important because you're right, it's it's familiar. We have to return to what's familiar.
0: Yeah, thank you for that. And so the the, the first part of that, that notion of a reasoned approach. And so often when I'm working with leaders and organizations, they'll say things like, Well, we have to get back to the office. Simply just having to get back to the office is actually not a reasoned approach if we actually say we need to get back onto the into the office space because we realize that for example we haven't really on board some of our new hires Some of our new people haven't met one another yet. We're losing our social and emotional capital. That's why we have to get people back into the building. Now, that might be more of a reasoned approach. It makes sense. It's like, oh, okay. Or for more seasoned employees, maybe they haven't had feedback on their work on the last 18 months. Mm -hmm. And they know that they have to get that feedback to be able to grow and to develop their skill set. So, bringing people back into premise because we want to be able to give them the support and the feedback and the professional development opportunities, then again, that, Dr. Claudia, that's a reasoned approach. And often, though, I think where people are getting some of this resistance with their teams Mm -hmm. is it's not a reasoned approach. It's more this, this is what we've always done and this is how we should get back to it. So, I think that's why the reasoned approach actually can help with readiness. If we understand the why we're more able to see the value add or the return on our investment from going forward now in terms of what you mentioned about this new normal and i'll tell you that's a that's a, a perspective that i find really challenging because i don't think there is anything normal about the fact that coast to coast to coast across our country people are still reeling from what's happening with covid there's a needed racial reckoning what's happening with our, our discoveries with our indigenous communities, like this, this isn't normal. We shouldn't assume that this is kind of this normal kind of baseline. I do prefer to use the word familiar. And before COVID, before March of 2020, we had a familiar. We were in really entrenched patterns of what we did and how we did it. And then all of a sudden, the world got wobbly and all the turbulence. And then all of a sudden we started to establish new familiars, and many of us, we actually used these last 18 months to establish a proof of concept of what's possible with these hybrid or these remote or work from anywhere work models, we showed what's possible. And now we're in this really precious place as we start to go into reentry where we can establish another series of familiars, things that we'll get used to and we'll build habits around and it'll become something again that's familiar to us at the time. And I find when we frame it as familiars, it creates an approach of looking at it as seasons. There's going to be a season for all of this. And right now we are in this season of reentry, entry and we want to make sure we're really studying and readying ourselves to make good choices.
1: And so we're we're going through these uh, changes and these stages and all this, and we're trying to teach ourselves to be resilient in the workplace and with you know with how we're going to deal with you know getting back into let's say an office and kind of being around people again. So, does your approach to learning to be resilient? In work and you know in like life at work does it also help other areas of one's life so like for example relationships personal development is there like a kind of a tie over between the two
0: absolutely and one of the things that was so important when I was exploring this model and doing this work was to really think about it in terms of that high generalizability the fact that these key competencies or these key ideas need to actually fall into place in all of our different life areas and all the different roles that we have. So very much, yes, when we think about that, in my work, we talk about the five core competencies, and those are applicable to those different areas that you just described. And to tell you just briefly, the, the first one very much is a sense of belonging. We need to have a home team. We need people in our corner that are going to encourage us, that are going to help us establish that psychological safety and trust. What we come upon next is this idea what we call perspective. And our perspective grows in relation to our lived experience. And it's this ability to see and feel the world and understand our place and how we can contribute. In my program, we often then talk about this idea of acceptance. And acceptance is this idea that it's not always about kind of liking what's happening to us, but being able to decipher our controllables. Know what's in, what's within my control and what's not within my control. And when we figure out what's not within our control, we want to find a way for that to coexist. We bring it with us. And then we talk in my program about the importance of hope, choosing to live hope-filled or living in hope with others. That's a powerful place to be when we can hold that steadfast confidence that we might not know what this looks like, Dr. Claudia, but we trust that we're going to get through it. And the last of the five dimensions in my work, we talk about humor, like joy, laughter, play, that's what sparks creativity and innovation and really great problem solving. And we also know it feels good. And we have a right to feel good, even when we're going through difficult times. So what we see in my work is those five variables, they work together to create this area in which we can lean into or we can cultivate or foster. So that will apply to us professionally, personally, in all our different
1: roles. That is such an important point, and I'm sure that listeners right now are thinking, wow, that is so powerful. Um, It really is. When we come back, Dr. Robin's book, The Calm Within the Storm. This is the wellness prescription on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us.
0: Have a question for Dr. Claudia? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 105.9 The Region. Or email us info at 1059theregion.com. The Wellness Prescription with Dr. Claudia on 105.9
1: The Region. You're listening to 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to The Wellness Prescription. Before the break, Dr. Robin and I were discussing resilience and how to push forward through difficulty. It is a choice. Dr. Robin has some brilliant ideas on how to make it part of your entire life, and she's also written a book. So, Dr. Robin, tell us about the book.
0: Well, I can tell you this is uh, this book is very close to my heart. It very much is uh, a book that talks about the, the theory and uh, application of resiliency. But within that book, we've also braided in personal story. I think story is a powerful learning tool. So this wee little book is uh, a compilation of the theory of resiliency, some practical and realistic strategies on implementing some ideas to cultivate resiliency, as well as really thinking about this idea of like self-authorship, honoring and respecting the experiences that we have in our lived experience and thinking of that as as a form of data and it's also a form of wisdom. So that book has come out and I'm really pleased with how it's making its way into the world.
1: And a quote from your book says, Everyday resiliency becomes a tool that aligns with our primal drive to feel safe and secure. Is that really what humans need to feel safe and secure?
0: 100%. The absolute foundation for us as beings who are meant to live in community is to have our, our needs met, but ultimately it is to feel safe and secure. And often when we even explore some of those like maladaptive behaviors that we pick up in our lives, they're there as a means of trying to protect us. Uh, You know, they're trying to keep us safe and it might not be the best way to go about it, but still it's what we do with that ultimate goal of making sure that we're safe. And one of the reasons I I refer to this work as everyday resiliency is because we wanna be thinking about what are those daily decisions that we do to put us in that place where we do feel as though our needs for security and safety are being met. And for sometimes resiliency, it is big, it's that one big event that happens and you have to bounce back. Other days, resiliency looks like simply getting out of the, door, out of the house in the morning. It could be making sure that your loved ones are looked after or maybe even just you making sure that you've gotten a meal that day. Depending on where people are at, it looks very different but at the heart of it, it is this idea that we just want to be safe and we just need that security to know that we're okay.
1: And through your book, you want to help people navigate the ebb and flow of life because that's really what it is. But do most people not understand that really that life is really about ups and downs?
0: Well, I can tell you in my work, Dr. Claudia, so often you know, we, we've been conditioned or we have been groomed to think that life is supposed to be a pretty smooth sailing. And even, for example, if we take something like social media, and I think there's a lot of value and good behind social media – But I also think we have to make sure we're using our critical thinking when we're looking at social media because if we were using that as a measuring stick, it seems as though people have a pretty pretty smooth life where they don't have a lot of ups and downs. And what happens is when we create these highlight reels, we think we've done something wrong if we're struggling. Or outside of the social media example, it's this idea that we don't really give ourselves permission to make mistakes. We don't give ourselves permission not to kind of have everything appear to be, you know, solid and locked in. So unfortunately what happens is that we give a lot of a lot of grace to other people, but we don't always necessarily extend it back to ourselves. So I think what happens a lot of time people just think that they should be doing it better, right? If I if I was faster or smarter or richer or thinner, then all of a sudden my life would be okay. So I do think, though, that there is a bit of a disconnect with people realizing that life is an assortment of ups and downs and how we react to it really is going to lead us into that place of satisfaction or sufficiency. So I do think some folks struggle with realizing that having setbacks, making mistakes, heartbreaks, and hiccups are actually part of a lived experience.
1: And you make a really valid point because in my own private practice, I, I mean, I still work in my private practice three days a week. And it's interesting because I'll get, a, I'll start a conversation. And it's funny because a lot of my patients will say like, oh, you're, you're, ha-, if I mention, oh, you know, I'm having one of those days. They're like, oh, really? You, you have bad days? And I'm like, yes, I do. I woke up late or my child was late. Like those are little things that, yeah, it's, it's a bad day, but it's really not going to ruin my day. It's just one of those days. And I feel like that." that's... That's a big message. And really that is resiliency is just understanding that, okay, tomorrow I'm going to wake up early or tomorrow I'm not going to leave 10 minutes late and just understanding that we can get through it and we will. And every day is a new opportunity for something new and, you know, happy. So I think that's a really important point.
0: Thank you and you know one of the things I often suggest Claudia when people are kind of thinking about this and this idea of instead of kind of looking at our day as it's all or nothing right it's either it's a great day or it's a no good rotten day I encourage people to think of almost their day in quarters. So thinking about, okay, how are are you from like morning in your morning? How is your midday? How is your afternoon? How is your evening? Because when we just say like, how is your day? We could have that one event that sidetracked us. We could have that one event that really walloped us. However, if we think about it in that all or nothing mindset, then obviously we're going to come up short often versus, especially when I'm working, like we have three teenagers and when I'm talking to my kiddos, we talk about the fact like, yeah, okay, so maybe that one class today didn't go great, but there were a lot of other things that were that turned out pretty positively. So again, just helping with the reframe of not this all or nothing is a helpful approach when we start navigating those, those very natural ebbs and flows.
1: And, you know, I'm so glad that you said that because I, I'm, I'm proud of myself, actually, because I had one of those moments the other like last week where I tried to explain to my kids. So I had a great response an email came in and i was hoping for this answer and i was like wow you know I, what it was great i said but in the same hour i got an email about another situation that did not turn out the way i wanted it but mm-hmm. it was like you know a give or take and i was like you know what the joy of you know having that moment kind of overtook everything and it was like it didn't really matter i just moved on from it so i'm actually quite proud of myself and how i handled that so <laughs>
0: That's amazing and I love I love that you leaned into that joy because our natural tendency, the way we're actually hard fired, Dr. Claudia, usually is to focus on the negative negative. and if you think about it from an evolutionary perspective, we would do that because it would be like we had to keep ourselves safe right. so we don't want to know about all of the sunshine and the rainbows, we want to know about the threats out there. So we have a tendency to get drawn into the negative so I loved how you reframe that and even though there was a negative experience and a positive experience, you chose to lean into the positive positive. and we have to do that with intention and effort. We don't do that naturally so you want to coach yourself to do that which is a great example that you just showed us.
1: Well, thank you very much. So (laughs) um, I love that you want us all to know that we can do hard things. In fact, I love that that's right on the front page of your website. Um, And with guidance from your book, you hope to help people not feel like everything is hard, right? I mean, I think that's a really important point.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I, I think so often we have this tendency of getting just kind of pulled down by our circumstances. And, and that's why we really want to cultivate that perspective that, you know, I want people to say, like, I can do hard things that give themselves that, again, that steadfast confidence that they can do it. And also know, Dr. Claudia, that they can do great things. You know, it's good to feel good. It's good to hold good-feeling thoughts and good-feeling actions. And that doesn't make us selfish or, you know, it's science. It's something that we are going to have days where this might come more readily to us. There's going to be days that are more challenging. How we show up for them and how we show up for ourselves is really going to help us understand what this big picture is going to look like. So I very much want people to know that they can do hard things. And in my book, I talk about a lot of examples of that in lived experience. And I also want people to know they can do great things and it's good to feel good.
1: And so before I wrap up here, what are some of the obstacles that derail us?
0: Yeah, it's a great question, and it's actually something we cover in the book where we've identified that there's really three that we saw that consistently show up for persons, and and the first very much is stress. It's how we experience stress in our bodies is going to really preclude us making those good choices and striving for those good-feeling experiences, so stress definitely is a big block, and one explains why the last 18 months has been so challenging for everyone, because we're in a state of distress. The second that we talk about in the book is the idea of fear. Fear is so big and it's heavy. And often when we are in this place of trying to make good choices, we all of a sudden experience fear and how we respond and treat and react to fear very much precludes our capacity for resiliency. So we want to be really mindful of how we experience fear. And the last one I talked about in the book is stigma. The stigma that we carry about ourselves is, very much something that we are holding ourselves back from and the stigma can look like many different things. In my book, I actually describe all the different forms of stigma and how do we address those. And As somebody personally, myself, and I talk openly about this, as someone who has experienced mental health challenges, as someone who does navigate ADHD as an adult, like these, these are things that routinely get put under that stigma association. But when we start to ally up with some of our challenges, we realize that they actually can be some of our signature strengths. So those are the things that we identified, stress, fear, and stigma. And my invitation for persons is to really put some good thought behind those and see how we can use this in a way that actually moves us forward closer to our goals than letting it actually pull us farther away from where we want to be.
1: And so is it really important to set a goal on where you wanna be, where you want your mindset to go?
0: Absolutely, and I often talk to persons about like, I love that, you know, in our culture, we're very much conditioned that, you know, January is New Year's and we start thinking about goals, despite the fact that we know we're not always really successful with changing our behavior. Uh, And I always love that my educators, they always think of New Year as September, right? So I appreciate we have this mindset of goal setting, what I really encourage people though is to actually take it down to a micro level. I want you to set your intention each and every morning what kind of day you want to have. I want you to make up your mind first thing in the morning what kind of day you want to have versus kind of waiting for the world to tell you what kind of day you're going to have. I think we need to take this to a micro level so we can show up for ourselves, we can ground ourselves in that mindset that we want to carry And then, unfortunately, when things do go off the rails later in the day, you know how to bring yourself back just to that morning moment. You still remember what it feels like to protect your peace and to to be grounded, and then we can show up and make a good choice. So that's what I often encourage people, take it to a micro level, set the intention first thing in the morning, and ensure that you're showing up for yourself as well.
1: Well, I'm going to put that in my mudroom so that we all ask ourselves that question tomorrow morning and every other morning moving forward. I can't thank you enough for joining me today. If listeners want to learn more about you or order your book, of course, they should all be ordering your book. How can they do that?
0: Yeah, so the easiest way to reach out through socials, is Dr. Robin, and I also on the website, there's lots of information, that's RobinHC.ca, and around the book, it's available wherever people buy books, but I would encourage folks, if you can find it at a local bookstore, ask your local bookstore to bring it in, I think we need to show some love to our independent bookstores right now, so Dr. Claudia, thank you for the opportunity to join your show.
1: Oh my God, it was amazing. You can find me on Instagram at Claudia underscore Maciela or my website, claudiamaciela.com. If you missed any part of our show, go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music, and of course, Audible. I'm Dr. Claudia. Thank you for listening. The
0: Wellness Prescription was brought to you by Healthy Planet. Order online at healthyplanetcanada.com
1: or go online to find a location nearest you.